All right, everybody, welcome. Glad to have you guys here at New Life. How many of you guys are excited to be at New Life Church today? Yeah. Man, so am I. So am I. So I want to say a big hello to everybody worshiping with us here at our Kearney campus, as well as those worshiping with us at our North Platte campus right now live, and those who are worshiping with us online, online. So just in case, just in case next Sunday, which is what? Just in case you're traveling, may I personally, my wife and I wish you um, all a very Merry Christmas, all right? And um, man, we just want to see God's best for your life as this year comes to an end and we're really strategizing, praying and believing that next year will even be a year where God reveals himself to you in even a greater way, right? Because that's really the ultimate goal. So uh, when, you get, when you get ready to set like your goals for next year, you're going to have things like, you know, get a promotion, uh, you know, have another child or lose some weight, right? Or start cashing in the 401k, whatever it is that your next goal is, please make sure that your number one goal is this, that God would reveal himself to me just a little bit more in 2018. Okay. All right. That, that should be all of our goals. Hey, we just came out of a teaching series. It was entitled what? Mountain peaks, right. And we were looking at these passages of scripture where God met with humanity on these mountains and there was incredible revelation and amazing moments of the character and the nature of God being revealed in these encounters. And we were talking about it also from the perspective that, you know, we had these mountains that we had to speak to and they had to move. I heard from so many of you that that teaching series was revolutionary for your life, that God used that teaching series to really speak life to you. I heard so many of you just go, wow, man, I wish we could stay there. And you know what? I wish we could stay in that series as well. But there's only so many passages that deal with mountains. (laughs) But I saved one. I saved one for today to kind of be a bridge. A bridge from the mountain peak series into Christmas. But I just got to warn you right now. Just remember what what this is, right? It's like new life. It's, It's new life Christmas. It's Christmas at new life. Um, you know, so we're, we're not going to go to the classic passage of, you know, Mary and Joseph and Jesus being born in a manger, but I am going to help show you today the great authority and the great power and the incredible freedom that came as the result of Jesus coming in the form of a baby, right? And then living a sinless life, giving his life on the cross, shedding his blood, you know, rising again, leaving an empty tomb and sitting at the right hand of the father. There is a massive difference between the way we used to worship God pre-Jesus and the way that we get to worship God post-Jesus. And so there's incredible authority that comes with that. Now, Jesus is God. God has always been. So don't confuse that. I'm only talking about Jesus coming to this earth. All right? That's all I'm talking about. But there's a big difference. And in our lives, I want to help illustrate this. In our lives, we have a lot of things that we used to do that we do different, much different now. And by the way, I would say, because this is the way my life, my mind processes the world, is that we used to do it this way. Now we do it a different way and different is normally better. All right. So how many of you guys are in that camp with me that, um, you know, different from where we were old, right, to a new way of doing it is normally better. How many of you guys think that way? All right, how many of you guys think that change, like anti-change, don't change, don't change anything? Okay, okay, that's good, that's good, we still love you, it's good, we love you, it's okay. Uh, There's a lot of things like this, like let me give you an example of what we used to do, okay? (laughs) 
Some of you still have those clothes, don't you? Yeah, don't, don't try it. What era was that, by the way? 70s. 70s, wow, wow, that's really good. Yeah, so we used to dress like this, now we get to dress like, and I modeled that for you, but, um, <laughs> but now we get to dress like that. I think it's different, better. Definitely a move in the right direction. Amen to anybody? Okay, all right, good, good. And that should make everybody that works at the buckle very happy because I actually went to the buckle page and got that. So... This is a side note. Want to be want to be friendly to businesses in town. All right. So, but this is also you know different than what we used to do. We used to travel like this. Anybody used to travel like that? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. One 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 old dude at the Carney campus was like yeah. All right. But now but now we get to travel like this. How many think that's different and better? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, it's more expensive, but yet it's better. All right. Now we used to do this with our computers. How many of you guys had one of those bad boys? All right. I don't even know like where to start with this thing. Does anybody even remember what this is called right here? It's a flop, flop, floppy disk or floppy drive. Yeah. Floppy something. I mean, they were just like worthless. I mean, this is the kind of computer where you enter in the code, right? And what you're waiting for is for the screen to turn into a big letter A. You do it before dinner, it happens the next day after lunch. I mean, that's, that's how fast it is. But today, we get to work with handheld computers that are much more powerful. Much more powerful. I actually chose this one just because of the guy. I thought he looked cool. But we got power in our hands. Way different, and I would say way better, right? Is everybody still with me? Okay. Some of you, you used to listen to music like this. Like way before... Way before we had any kind of recording or anything like that, now we get to listen to music like this, right? With, you know, earbuds or even Bluetooth, like connected to our phones and, you know, listening to Spotify or Pandora and whatever you want to listen to as much as you want to listen to, right? It's fantastic. I love it. And then, you know, this is the way we used to be as well. We used to be gatherers and hunters and the man, you know, go out in the field and get the food, bring it back, right? And now this is the new gathering and hunting, all right? So things have changed, Things are different than what they used to be. And all of those examples that I chose are better as well, right? Well, it's the same thing in our worship with God. Our worship, God hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But how we worship him, like really, like how we come to him is radically different. So in the, in the last teaching series, Mountain Peaks, we had a, we had a sermon that was built out of um, Exodus with Moses and the Israelites are meeting with God at Mount Sinai. Now, if you don't remember that one or you weren't here, then you can go to mynewlifechurch.com. All right. And you can actually click on watch now and then you can re rewatch that one. Uh, but it's a great, it's a great moment where God meets with his people. And it, it is mind blowing what happens in this particular story. I mean, the fire Fire comes and consumes the mountain, the mountain like on fire, like a volcano it almost in, in this description, just as, but without lava. And it's just intense. And then God speaks from the mountain to the people and he gives them the Ten Commandments. And Moses, he climbs up to the mountain, like into that smoke and into that fire. And he meets with God and he's there for so long that the people think he's like, you know, crispy, you know, at the top of the mountain. And so they go to start worshiping other idols. And Moses comes down with the tablets that God wrote the Ten Commandments on and he breaks it right there. I mean, it is an intense moment. And in the scripture that I chose for today, 
Um, it's out of Hebrews. So if you have your, your handheld computer, which is different than what we used to have, but better, if you have that and you're using you version, then you've got the scriptures already, but we'll be in Hebrews chapter 12 and where we're going to start in verse 18, he's going back and he's, he's going to like juxtapose here, old Testament or pre Jesus worship to new Testament or post Jesus worship. And he's going to show you the difference between these. And he's going to go right back to this moment at this mountain, Mount Sinai, where the Israelites are meeting with God. He's going to compare that now to a different mountain. So I want you to see this difference. So let's look at the first verse. It says this, you have not come to a physical mountain. Why? Because he's, he's speaking to you and me. He's speaking to us right now, right? You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. That is definitely not the relationship God is going for, you know, with Christ um, in our lives. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, what i'm terrified and i'm trembling see before jesus relationship with god was treacherous it was fearful it was met with severe punishment and judgment there was death if things were not handled correctly if things were not done the way that god asked for them to but at the same token there was this incredible manifestation of the presence of god as well like fire and cloud leading and guiding them and just these miraculous things in the old testament that just kind of blow your mind away about god but when jesus came into the world and he was born as a baby everything began to change and it all began to change for the better I mean, there could not be a more drastic difference, right? There couldn't be a more drastic difference. In all the examples I gave you before, there's nothing as drastic as our worship to God in a pre-Jesus Old Testament and our worship of God in the day and age in which we live because of what Christ has done. So here's how the rest of that passage goes as you pick it up in verse 22. It says, no, you have come to Mount Zion. So you got to go back to verse 18. It says, you didn't go to a physical mountain. No, you've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have come. See how many times it keeps saying you have come? It's like a very close, intimate. Like you have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. And you have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people. And to the sprinkled blood, which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. How many of you guys have read that passage before? Not many. Not many. This will be a a really good illustration for you. It's going to drive home some really powerful things because there's a massive contrast between those two passages, although they're one illustration before you, a massive difference between the first reading and the second reading. And today what I want to do is I want to take that second reading, uh, Hebrews 12, 22 through 24, and I want to break it down. I want to show you some powerful truths regarding our relationship with God through Christ through Christ. The first one is this, that the never touch is now come and see. 
The never touch was don't touch the mountain or you die. Don't touch the ark or you die. There was, there's illustrations in God's word, people touching the ark and they die. Right, there's people that came to God and worshiped incorrectly. Boom, fall over dead. So there was this attitude of one, one person, the high priest, he gets to come into the presence of God once a year. That's the way it used to be into what was called the Holy of Holies. And for the rest of us, it was a never touch. Because if you did, there was death involved with it. But now Jesus is on the scene and Jesus says these words. He says, come and see. Come and see. In fact, in John 1, 39, he said those words to a group of people. Come and see. And they spent a day with him. After the day they spent with him, their whole lives were completely changed. In fact, some of the original disciples came out of that group. Many people gave their lives to him. He said, come and see. And in that passage that we just read five different times, it says that you have come. You personally have come to God. You have come you know, to Mount Zion. You have come to Jesus. You have come. Like You get to come. You and me, because of what God has done by sending his son into this world, which we celebrate at Christmas, and living a sinless life, we get to come and see. Jesus was saying when he said those words, basically this. Hey, you want to come and sample? You want to come and sample You know who I am? You want to come and sample my teaching? You want to come and sample what's going on? I, I invite you to come and sample. That's what Jesus was saying. It's, it's, like, it's like this. Like what is, what is Panda Express? We got Panda Express here in, in Kearney. I don't think we have it in North Platte. But we got Panda Express, and you got these ice cream shops where you can go to where they got the glass, you know, case, and you look inside, and you got the big buckets, and you're like, man, that looks awesome. No, this looks awesome. No. Okay, I'll just take it all. Um, and, then, and then you got Sam's Club. So what is the one thing that is the same between Panda Express, an ice cream shop, and Sam's Club? Free samples, people. Does that not excite you? Come on, you can go to Panda Express and stand there every single time you want to and be like, uh, can I sample the, the walnut shrimp? Yeah, and they'll be like, here you go. You can go to the ice cream place, right? And they'll be like, hey, I want to sample that, that you know, chocolate you know, and uh, peanut butter. Because, man, that's, my, that's one of my favorite. Or, man, I don't know if I want that one. I want the mint, you know, the mint chip one. Or, no, I don't think I want that. I want the strawberry one. And you can sample them. And they give you those nice little spoons that you can sample it with and throw it away. It's awesome. You go to Sam's Club at just the right time, and you can get all kinds of incredible samples. But let me just say this to you. Never, never, never say to your wife or girlfriend, you want to go out and eat, honey? Yeah. And then take her to Sam's Club for the samples. <laughs> never. Learn from my mistake, okay? <laughs> Don't ever do that. That's a bad one right there. Jesus, he invites us when he says, come and see, he, he invites us to come and sample and see, do you want to commit all at new life church? We invite you to come and sample the presence of God in our worship services before you make a commitment, not a commitment to new life church before you make a commitment to God. But I'm just going to tell you church at some point, at some point, you're going to have to make a decision. Are you all in? Or are you all out? 
Like, don't become one of those weirdos who stands there at, you know, Panda Express and samples every single thing all the way down the line and gets to the end and the, you know, the counter, uh, the person on the other side of the counter says, well, what would you like to eat? And you're like, mm, I'm kind of full now. I think I'll leave. <laughs> don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. But so many people in Christianity, that's what they do. And for some of you today, that's, that's what you're doing. You're just going to see how much sampling you can do before you go all in. And I'm just going to tell you, you're burning yourself when you're doing that. Like you're getting your little fix for the moment, but you're never really experiencing, you know, the full meal. You're never really like getting it all. You're just doing it on your terms instead of going all in on the, on the terms of Christ. And what Jesus wants for you is to go all in because he wants you to have a firsthand experience of him. But what happens a lot in Christianity is that so many of us, we only have a second-hand experience of Jesus. We got a sample experience of Jesus. You got a second-hand experience of him. It's kind of like, you know, I was listening to Pastor Jeff speak a couple weeks ago. He was talking about his, you know, a prayer life moment and how God spoke to him. And wow, it was so powerful. This is what God said to him. Boom, 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 boom. Or, you know, I was talking to my grandmother and she was telling me about when she was a teenager and going to camp and, you know, she went to this church camp and God really, you know, woke her up on the inside and, I mean, God revealed himself there and she had this vision and, man, it's so, it's so awesome. That's secondhand revelation. It's not firsthand. It's not you talking in first person like, let me tell you what happened to me. Let me tell you what happened to me in my moment of prayer. Let me tell you what happened to me when I was at that worship service. Let me tell you what happened to me. See, that's what Jesus wants. But if all you do is you sample and you never go all in, you won't have that firsthand encounter with God. And you know what God wants? More than what, more than what you even want, God wants you to have that firsthand experience with him. God wants you to have that personal encounter with him. That's why God made the first move. Like God's already made the first move. He sent his son Jesus into this world that we celebrate at Christmas. Like God's already done his part. Now it's your turn. It's your turn. What are you going to do with your turn? Are you going to come and see? And maybe for once in your life, get a firsthand encounter with God? It's going to require going all in. But I am telling you, God's already done his part. He already made his move. So if you're waiting for God to make another move, God's sitting there waiting for you to make your move. Make a move towards him. And come and see today in our time of worship that God is good. But there's another, there's another truth in this passage um, in regards to our relationship with God through Christ. And, and that would be this, that you are part of the church of the firstborn. You're part of the church of the firstborn. Like what in the world does that mean? There's a lot of privileges that come with the firstborn. Let me tell you one of the greatest privileges from a biblical perspective that comes with the firstborn. The firstborn gets a double inheritance. A double inheritance. How would you like, if, if you're the firstborn, let me see firstborns that are out here. How would you like it if in your family estate, you know, it was divided up where you got twice as much as everyone else of your siblings? How would you like that? I mean, just be honest, okay? This is not the moment to be humble. I would like it. You know, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Now, we don't function that way, but that's the way it used to function. Like the firstborn got a double portion, a double portion. So if there's two children, the inheritance is broken up into three parts. The first one gets two thirds. The second one only gets one third. 
It might not sound fair, but that's the way it worked. And here you and me stand. We are part of the firstborn. Like when God looks at you and he looks at me, he goes, that's a firstborn son. That's a firstborn daughter. And with that comes incredible privileges. Like our name is written as a citizen in heaven. Now that doesn't maybe like ring a bell for you that we are citizens of heaven. You know, because we live in America and we feel like we got all kinds of rights. But back then when this was written, there were many, many places where the villages would be full of like 80% of the people would be slaves and 20% would be citizens. And the 80% that were slaves never even had a dream of ever having the rights of a citizenship. And then all of a sudden through Jesus and what Jesus has done, God shows up and he says to humanity, hey, by the way, surrender your life to me and you become a citizen of heaven a citizen of heaven. That's powerful. So when we read, you know, in Hebrews, that passage, and we read verse 23, which says, let me just remind you what it says, that you have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. I want you to know today, there is a massive difference, a massive difference. When Jesus showed up on the scene as that baby, a massive difference began to happen in our worship towards God. We started becoming firstborn children of God. And that's a game changer. That's a game changer. Like for us, it's maybe hard for us to wrap our heads around what I'm trying to drive home because, you know, we have a skewed perspective from our parenting or from being raised. So for, let me give you an example. Kim and I, we raised four children. So any parents in the house that raised more than one child, more than one. Okay. Then, you know, right. You start out with great intentions. And by the time number four comes along, things have radically changed, right? You start out with number one and number one for us is Brittany. Uh, Brittany is a incredible, incredible young woman that God's using in amazing ways in spite of our parenting, right? Because we, we sat her down and we told her, Kim and I, we just looked her in the eye one day. I mean, this is honest, right? We looked her in the eye. We said, we are so sorry. Like we experimented with you in so many ways. And we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know what we were doing. Like for you to turn out as amazing as you are is only by the grace of God, Right? And then number two and number three come along and we've got some things figured out and we're making it work and things are happening. And then number four comes along and there's just nothing new, right? I mean, you just got it. Like you tell Brittany, hey, take care of the, take care of Christian, right? I mean, you start activating in that way. Like number one, when, when our first child was born, Brittany, everything had to be kind of perfect. And there was like a lot of stress and a lot of pressure you know, and here I am and I'm trying to get ready and Kim's trying to get ready and we got to leave. And then, you know, Kim throws this dress at me and like, Hey, put this on Brittany. And I'm like, which way does it go? Right. And then you got these little tights that got to go on and you know, you got to put like socks or you got to put shoes. Have you tried to put shoes on an infant before? They got the floppiest ankles. You're like, come on kid. It's like, Tighten up that muscle a little bit. Let's get that shoe on there. You got to almost use super glue to keep it on, right? And then you carry your firstborn as if like she is a trophy. Like, hey, look what we made. <laughs> like, she's beautiful, right? right? And you just carry her around. You show her off like a little doll, right? She's got her perfect dress. She always looks, you know, amazing. You know, even her throw up is perfect. I mean, or excuse me, spit up. My bad. Let's. This is what it really is, all right? And so everything's perfect, right? Then number four comes along and you're getting ready and it's time to get out of the house and then your wife yells from the bathroom, hey, does Christian have clothes on? And you're like, yeah, okay, let's go, right? Everything goes from like being perfect to this. I just hope the kid's got clothes on, right? Let's get out the door, 
Everything changes. So our parenting, it changes from the firstborn to the fourthborn. But that's not the way that God is. God's radically different than that. And what this scripture is driving home for us, it's telling us something that God sees all of us as firstborn. All of us. You, just the way you are, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, you're firstborn. Now, we, what, we, what do we do? We compare ourselves with one another. You're like, well, man, I'm not as spiritual as Pastor Jeff. I don't have the title pastor. God must really think of him greater. No, I am right here, and you are right here. We are all firstborn. We all get the privileges of what it means to be a firstborn in God's eyes. So here's my encouragement to you this Christmas. Because of what God did through Christ, step up and walk with the confidence of a firstborn today. Walk into the presence of God as a firstborn. Walk into the presence of God today recognizing he wants to meet with you. Like he wants to hear from you. He's excited about meeting with you. You're his firstborn. You're a citizen of heaven. Walk as a citizen of heaven. God loves you right where you are. There's nothing that you can do to make God love you more. And there's definitely nothing you can do to cause God to love you less. You are a firstborn in God's eyes. So for you that are really firstborn on this earth. And maybe, maybe there was too much experimenting going on. And inside of you, emotionally, you're wounded and you're hurt. I want you to lay that down because God's not experimenting with firstborn. For some of you, you're second, third, or fourthborn on this earth, and that's kind of put a title inside of you. It's almost kind of identified you in a way on this earth. I want you to know something today. Lay that title aside because it has nothing to do with the kingdom of heaven. You are a firstborn. Walk like it. Live like it. Have the confidence to come and see how amazing God is today. So lastly, there's one last truth in this passage that I want to drive home for you regarding our relationship with God through Christ. And to do that, I want to take you back to verse 24. It says that you have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people. That's the easy part of the scripture. And we'll tackle that right at the end. But here's the harder part. And to the sprinkled blood, which speaks of forgiveness, instead of crying out for vengeance, like the blood of Abel. So just let me help paint the picture for a minute. Adam and Eve, right? Then they, they bear a son, the very first child to be born on this earth, Cain, and the second to come along is Abel. These two boys, they grow up, and one of them works the ground, tills the ground and crops. The other one works with livestock. And these two, they come to God to bring an offering or to bring a tithe before God, what was called the first fruits to God. So just so that we're clear, tithing and giving financially to God did not start in the New Testament. It didn't start with a church leader somewhere, you know, hundreds or, you know, a couple thousand years ago or whatever that just needed money. That's not where tithing started. It started at the very, very beginning when God said to Cain and Abel, you bring the tithe to me. You bring the first fruit to me. And when they did that, Cain didn't bring it with the right heart. And he didn't bring it with the right attitude. And he didn't bring it with, a, with an attitude of worship. But Abel did. So God says to both of them, Abel, I love your offering. Cain, basically I despise it. That caused Cain to get really angry and very jealous. And so he kills his brother Abel and the blood of Abel is spilled. And this passage of scripture is going, it cries out with vengeance. 
right? That blood of Abel cries out with vengeance. So here's something that we can learn from this passage about our relationship with God, and that is the blood of Jesus is greater than the blood of Abel. See, the blood of Abel still cries out for vengeance in condemnation for Cain, who caused the sin and who took his brother's life. But the blood of Jesus, it still cries out with grace and forgiveness for the sins of humanity. See, the blood that Cain spilled with his brother Abel was sin. And that sin is still something that you and me, we live with. Like for our lives, our sin is like that blood, like, you know, like break, like slaying down Abel. It's that, that sin and sin. What does the Bible tell us about sin? It separates us from God. So our sin is like that blood that was spilled by Cain uh, with his brother Abel. But without Jesus, there isn't any forgiveness of that sin. And our sin, it carries with it a condemnation. It carries with it a punishment of separation and death. But with Jesus, Jesus broke the curse of that punishment. Jesus broke the curse of that death from our sin once and for all by coming to this earth and living a sinless life. So the big picture is this. Jesus came into the world, born of a virgin, He lived a sinless life and he gave his life on the cross and he shed his blood once and for all for all of our sins. His sacrifice and his sacrifice alone has the power to wash away the penalty of our sin, to wash away the penalty of that shed blood of our sin. And without Jesus, our sins, they cry out for death, but because of Jesus, our sins are wiped clean. That is the game changer of God sending his son to this earth to be born. It's a game changer. That the blood later of Jesus that would be shed on that cross would be the ultimate sacrifice that washes away the sin. And so, if you're here today and you've committed your life to Jesus, you surrendered your life to him, he's your leader and your Lord, now Jesus has become your mediator. Like that passage said. And so what is the authority and the power of a mediator? Let's look at another passage in Hebrews 8 to help us really understand that. And it says this, for he, that's Jesus, for he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on what kind of promises? Better promises. As the mediator, Jesus, he gives us the best plan possible to have a relationship with God. But it only comes through him. And it only comes by surrendering your life to him. And it only comes by moving beyond the sampling and coming and seeing and taking on, you know, that full ownership of Christ by going all in with him. And without Jesus, we would be left to the never touch. But with Jesus, we're invited with great confidence to come and see how amazing and incredible God is this Christmas. So church, as our worship team leads us in one last worship song here at New Life, at our Kearney campus and our North Platte campus, I want you to come to Jesus as a firstborn. I want you to walk into his presence with great confidence, with boldness, but, a rec- but recognizing how, how you know, thankful we ought to be for a God who sent his son that we celebrate as Christmas to live a sinless life so that we might have this relationship with him and even be called firstborn, by the way. And let's come and see how amazing God is. And for some of us here today, let's bring our lives to him and say, God, forgive me of my sins and let the blood of Christ wash away the, the penalty of my sin. I want you to be my Lord and I want you to be my leader. Jesus is our mediator and today he wants to meet with you. So why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Lord, we thank you this Christmas 
that you are constant, that you are the same. You've loved humanity from the beginning of time. Lord, we thank you that you sent Jesus, born in a vulnerable state as a baby, raised with a sinless life so that we might have life. We're thankful for that this Christmas. It is the most incredible gift we could ever receive. I pray for this church that, Lord, we would come before you as firstborns. We'd come before you with great confidence to worship you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, that we would go all in. Lord, I pray that we would stop sampling you as if we've got you on our terms and that we would be fully committed to you, worshiping you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, we submit ourselves to you today. May you, Jesus, have your way. Let your will be done in this church. Let your will be done in our lives today. Let your will be done in our lives this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.